C'è la luna mezza mare, mamma mia, mamma redare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. What show is this, guys? What number is this one going? Oh, my goodness. I think, I believe this is 72. 72. Wow, I love it. 72. To wow. be 72 again. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the good old days. One day I'll be 72. <laughs> I'm very excited life. about tonight's mentor show because this guy, I heard about him numerous times from Costello and different people and then got to know him and spent the last 40 years of his life together. I met Costello, as I always did at the Waldorf, on a Monday after the weekend, and he said, I need you to travel to Chicago this Thursday, and I'll set it all up for you. You're going to go to the Palmer House Hotel, arrive there by noon, and meet Sidney Korshak. Now, for the people who don't know who Sidney Korshak, he has a reputation of being Mr. Fix-It. Uh, for the attorney for the mob and the unions and all of Hollywood. Lou Wasserman's attorney, Steve Wynn's attorney. I mean, the guy was really a legitimate fix-it for the, all the unions, all the arbitrations for the studios. And I, you know, I heard of him a lot. So I arrive in Chicago, go to the Palmer House, and I have an envelope that Costello gave me, and he said, when you meet Sydney, give him this envelope and let him open it in front of you. And when I gave him the envelope, there was $15,000 in cash and a letter, a retainer letter, that I had to sign and he had to sign so that our conversation would now be client privileged. Oh. So Costello was really protecting me. Hmm. Yes, smart move. Yeah. So with that said, then Tony Accardo joined us and uh, some very heavy guys, Murray Humphrey, Joey Ayupa, and this was for them to find out that from now on, in all their meetings, anytime we meet, even with the Savellas, Marcielos, that I'm the eyes and ears for Costello. He's no longer coming. And how old were you? 17. I wasn't even oh shaving gosh. then. <laughs> I was shaving That's then. crazy. Yeah, unbelievable. I was at seven, and I'm, I'm in a three-piece suit, because I used to wear, uh, when uh, they came out with the vest suits, I started yeah. wearing them, and I liked it. So I always had a tie on. But for, and Korshak made the introduction at the Palm House, all these different guys kept coming, Johnny Roselli, different people only to find out that as we go get through this, we'll get into the story of uh, what went on that night. But for most people that don't know, and now, now Patton, I'm sure Megan's done her history, Al Capone, you know, in 1947 died at the age of 48 of syphilis. Mm -hmm. And then Frank Nitti took over his underboss. And Frank Nitti, soon after that, got indicted. And nobody knows he was claustrophobic. I'm, I'm very close with his grandson. I was close to his son. We wrote about him, Nick Nitti, and all that. Yeah, in the book. He's in our right. book. So what happened was, this, he had to turn himself in on a Monday morning, which I find really interesting. He goes to church in the morning with his family 
on Sunday. They come home, and he goes upstairs for a minute, and unbeknownst to them, he takes off his jewelry, his watch, tons of cash, and revealed it from all his hiding places, goes downstairs and tells his wife and kids he's going to go take a walk. And he walks down to the waterfront, and he blows his brains out. Couldn't do a day in jail. He's claustrophobic, knew that once he got to jail or prison, they're not going to let him out. Because they, they had him on tax evasion, they had him on murder, extortion. They had a grocery list. H- had he done previous time? I did only a, a short stint for a gun, but it was like in Chicago, and you know they let him and let him out. He wasn't yeah, even. Yeah, but still, in. somebody somebody with claustrophobia. I mean, you know, the average person can't can't fathom how frightening that is to be in an enclosed place. You know, right. well, D. Martin. A lot of people didn't know that about D. Martin. I he He's was cool. a real. The only real claustrophobic I knew, he wouldn't get on an elevator. Really? And when wow. he when he stood even at the MGM Grand Hotels, he took the staircase, one or two seventeen flights. flights huh? No, 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 not to the penthouse. Oh. No, they gave him a suite on the lower floors. It's so crazy. Oh, right. <laughs> I tell you, he must have been in great shape. Oh well, he uh, Dean Always played Dean, Dean played yeah. thirty six holes of golf a day, plus really? there were two yep. shows. Oh my goodness! No, he was he was an avid avid. Golfer and very, I mean, I you know I couldn't understand how he drank that much Jack Daniels, took Percodan, and smoked all day long, and these guys were crazy. <laughs> but what happened right after that is that that's when Ocado took over. Do you know that he took over in 1949? Yeah, he had. Didn't he share uh, power with someone for a while, Richie? Yeah, it was like Rika or something. Yeah, Richie Rika. Yeah, and and but see what they—they're not like what. The one thing I was impressed with, when you know when I when I was at seventeen, the only thing I knew about the, our guys, the five families in New York at that time, they were bookmakers, gambling, extortion, uh, murder, and all that. But these guys were so more sophisticated. And there wasn't five families, there was only one family, and they had a governing board. And Momo Giancana was one, Joey Iupa, Rika, and they ran it that way. Paul Rika you're talking about. Okay, wasn't, uh, wasn't Giancana basically the front boss? He was the... He was the street boss, they called him. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Momo, Momo Giancana. Yeah, and, well, uh, because uh, Ocardo d- d- didn't want his, you know, he, he didn't want to be known as the boss. No, that's, it never did. And yeah. these these meetings, that meeting that I was privy to, I couldn't believe it, at my age, was at his house. And, you know, I, that, that night, I mean, from 1960 to 1992, till he was 86, he died of natural causes in Palm Springs. I used to go see him everywhere. Well, but that's the way you want to go. But, you know, when you start thinking of the sophisticated guys... Not the the people that we know that grandstand in front of cameras and all that. Yeah. Gambino died in natural causes at home. Frank Costello died in natural causes at home. The but real you know, guy. What, what I found out doing my research on him that I actually spent more time in jail than Tony Accardo. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, Tony Accardo spent one night in jail. This is the boss of the Chicago outfit for how many years? Forty something years. Forty something years. Okay. 
he spent one night in jail, and I, I spent two nights in a, in, a, in a Tijuana jail when I was 22 for the heinous crime of hitting an advertising sign. You know, you're walking down the street in a commercial area, <laughs> and, and, and they have, uh, and, you know, any stores have, like, extended signs. They're on a shingle. Right, right, you know, right, 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 right. All I did, all I did, I swear, so I'm walking down the street, and a sign was above my head. I'm not the tallest guy in the world, but these, these I'm from 5'10", but the, the, the signs are, 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 are low. All I did was tap the sign, and it was like I stuck up a bank. I mean, the cops came out of everywhere. But do you know why the, the signs are so low in Mexico? Wait, what? <laughs> little people. Little, yeah, they should little be. Little signs, you know. They're, 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 you know, Mexicans are smaller than Americans primarily. Yeah, they're so five foot four. signs kind of low, and all I did was tap the thing, and I, I, was, I was walking by. That's all I did. And they, they came out of, out of nowhere. What they were looking to do was lock up a tourist. And I was, I was uh, visiting some friends in San Diego. I was, I was a cop. And they just jumped on me. They wanted to shake me down. So they, oh, that's they, all it they, was. Because they, they yeah. they're really good to tourists. They don't want to hurt tourists. They wanted to shake, make you pay. Well, they wanted me up a bit. They, 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 they give you the offer they gave me once in Mexico. Well, you know, if you don't want to go to jail, you could pay your fine now for five hundred dollars. Well, see, if I wasn't a cop, that's the way it it would have happened. But once they got, I didn't say a word uh, in, until they got me into the what I call a police precinct. I don't know what they call it there, but I said, you know, they searched me and they found my shield, and now they start to panic. Oh yeah, oh, they, they locked up a cop. What are they going to do with me? So while they thought it over, I spent two days in the can. You actually there for two days? <laughs> two days, yeah. For hitting a sign. Hitting a sign. And I how tell old you, were you? I, I, 22. But I tell you, the Mexican food was good. I, I, th I think <laughs> I would do it again. If they get the good stuff, the cops get all the good oh, stuff. Oh, sure. The restaurants. <laughs> take but care they didn't that. know what to do with me, and I figured I was going to take them around. They were going to dump me out in the desert somewhere because they were really scared. They locked up a New York City cop. You know? Oh, yeah. Hello. It's but, not good uh, for publicity. I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, I wasn't killed. They didn't dump me in the, in the desert. I'm so glad. And here I am today. But anyway, I did I did more time in the can than, than Tony Acardo. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Now, now that's that's something you can talk about in a, in a bar. There's a lull on the conversation. There you go. Hey, by the way. <laughs> by the way, my yeah. partner Pat spent more time. That's a great icebreaker. Yeah, I tell you. But you that's know something it, else I found out about him. I mean, he was known as uh, Joe Batters because he was good with a bat. He killed a couple of people. Well, I, I, well, he was, that happened. That happened at a meeting early on when, when he was yeah. a bodyguard for Capone. Yeah. He always I mean, used he was, baseball bats. Definitely a tough guy, but he was also known as a big tuna. And I'm thinking, you know, how do, people ask, uh, you know, the average person, how did these guys get their street names, you know? So he got his name, a big tuna, a tuna rather, because one day he went out fishing and he caught a big fish. Yeah, Capone he, named him Big Tuna. A, a big tuna, yeah. That is so creative. I mean, talk about, I tell you, he, he, Capone should have been a writer. <laughs> So he went through life known as Big Tuna and Joe Batters. Well, two, I didn't know about the Big Tuna part. Two, two, two guys that were with Capone as a bodyguard was a, a, a Jewish guy. I got, I got to know for 100 years till he died, Yale Cohen. And Chicago, as I got to meet all these people, the majority of most of them were Jews. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Most yeah. of them were Jews, and they used them... I mean, when we get to some of the names you're going to hear tonight, they organized everything. Even, uh, I mean, we'll get into the story, but I mean, this guy, but well, our audience won't 
recognize, most people don't know Tony Accardo. And you can only call him Joe. That was only given to his friends and close people. So if you started talking about Tony Accardo, like me talking now, and I didn't yeah. say Joe Accardo, yeah. that means you weren't in the inner circle. Oh, okay. He used you know, uh, uh, Machine Gun Jack McGurn introduced him to Capone, and that's how he got into the into the into Capone's yeah. inner circle. Love that name. I wonder if his parents christened him with that. Which machine, machine gun, gun oh, Jack oh, no. oh, I no, 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 no. Yeah. We had machine gun Kelly. <laughs> how many machine gun guys there were? There's yeah, a lot of gun Kelly. Yeah, don't you remember yeah, the machine gun Kelly? Machine, well, that was when the Thompson submachine gun. Uh, you can buy them in, in, in a five and ten cent store. Really, they were they were legal. For the machine first, guns uh, were? for the first six years they were out. Oh well, automatic God. weapons were legal, and you Are could you buy. Kidding? I think they were. I think they were twenty five or thirty dollars a piece. Wow. And uh, Machine Gun Jack apparently uh, liked the gun because he, he, he was one of the toughest hitmen in the outfit. He had a really uh, mean reputation. And he, his weapon of choice, obviously, was a machine gun. But anyway, wow. he connected uh, Accardo with, uh, with Capone and the rest uh, is history. Yeah. Well, Accardo, for our, our audience who don't know, his, his hit list is like who's who who got killed. Well, he claimed to be part of the uh, crew that uh, whacked the seven guys for the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Yeah, he was there. With E.L. Cullen. Okay. He was a shooter. Okay, because some people uh, don't believe that. Well, right. Uh, and who were, who were these wonderful I mean, some people? <laughs> well, you know, Mob, and I'm using air quotes here, yeah. but, you know, it's hard to see on the radio, you know. But, right. Uh, uh, these mob historians, some, some say, nah, he wasn't. Oh. They, say they said was. that about a couple things that he said he was involved in, right? Yeah, there was uh, there was a St. Valentine's Day massacre, and there was uh, the assassination of Jaime Weiss, who was a, a, an arch foe of Al Capone's. Right. Uh, a Carter was supposed to be the shooter, and some people say he was. People say he wasn't. Hmm. No. But I, I mean, you you know, obviously, you were connected with these people, so he actually was a shooter at St. Valentine's. Yeah, Day. they've actually talked about it. Because the thing was, the problem they had, especially him at that time, was to get him into a police uniform because he was so big. How big was he? Sounds like a he Johnny Carson come online. How big was he? he I, would say he was, I would say he's definitely six foot and oh, big. Oh, wow. Big. A, broad, big, a, a big guy. Bulky yeah. guy. Right. Love to eat. In fact, the, the dinners that I, I went to one dinner, it was always on a Thursday night. And it was out at the at in uh, out River Forest, and uh, at his home, but just going through the hits that he ordered, one being Momo Giancana. Did you know that? Oh, him too. He ordered the hit. Oh, he didn't kill him. He ordered him hit. He ordered. Oh, no, he ordered that, a, that, No, that, that, he was at that just, time in his, yeah. in his career. He wasn't doing any shooting. No, no, he wasn't. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. He was done after after Capone. He did nothing after that. Everybody, yeah. but his his choice of weapons, even like with the Spalatro brothers, when he sent them to kill him, they get they all use baseball bats to send the message that Joe Batters sent you the message, and that 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 that, that killing, which took place June nineteenth, nineteen seventy five, I'll never forget the day, and, and he was a young guy, you know, he was sixty seven. 
Well, what was it sausage and onions? What was he making? There was a famous meal there that everybody. Yeah, sausage, sausage, and, uh, sausage and peppers. Sausage, sausage and, peppers. and peppers. Yeah, and the guy who, who who he knew, I can't tell you who he was, who shot him. He let him in. He knew he was coming for lunch, and then he put three right in the back of his ear. <laughs> oh my gosh! Twenty-two, the choice oh, of weapons. That's the weapon of choice. Yeah, with these guys. Well, it's got a low low caliber. Well, people aren't aware that it's a very uh, fragile round, and when it goes into your skull, it splats all over the place. pieces. Yeah. So there isn't any ballistics, or they hope there isn't any ballistics. Right. But if it hits something hard, uh, like a skull, it's going to shatter. Well, the yeah. only reason he, he killed Sam, because Sam chose Tony Spilatro to move to Chicago. I mean, to move to Vegas, and Spilatro destroyed, which would probably be today about. Three million dollars a month in skim, because after Spilato went crazy over there and created his hole in the wall gang and created all these things, they brought Momo in and said, "Pull this guy back. He's destroying us," and they couldn't because he had yeah, his own gang. Also, Giancana had a rather high profile. He was going out with uh, Phyllis McGuire. Which Phyllis McGuire. They told him the, to stop of, that. Of the famous McGuire sisters, right. was a big girl group. Back in the 40s, 50s, 60s. I think they went up to the 70s, maybe even the 80s. But the been around a long time. But the interesting thing, Phyllis McGuire yeah. saved Frank Sinatra's life. Because Sinatra and Peter Lawford took on the duties to babysit Senator John F. Kennedy. And also said we can control him. Not realizing they put him on cocaine. Peter Lawford's own brother-in-law. Yeah. And the fact that they never got the casinos. I mean, when they said, when Joe went to Costello, that his son wanted to be president, that would be the first meeting that June in 1960 that I was privy to hear that they were going to go forward with it. So obviously, uh, Kennedy uh, went back on his word, but oh my God, yeah. McGuire saved him. Well, how he saved them, she saved them, was because after the when we were last together, the last time I was with Momo Giancana was at Calneva with Sinatra when they were trying to get Marilyn Monroe to take the pictures to blackmail the Kennedy brothers. Which just coincidentally happens to be in our book. I know. Yeah. And also, mm -hmm. nobody realized until that Saturday that how involved she was with Bobby. Because when Joe forced John to put his brother in that position, Nobody wanted him. His brother didn't want him, and especially the mob, because they knew he was a nut, this kid. Yeah. And he was going to grandstand, and they didn't real and nobody realized the deal. They actually made a deal with Lyndon Bain Johnson that he had the next eight years after his brother. If he did everything right, they thought John would have two terms of eight years, and then Lyndon Bain Johnson would have two terms, and that's what they were doing. And Bobby was already grandstanding as an as a attorney general that Joe wanted that move. And they said, no, you can't have it. So there were so many backstories that... Yeah. That, that, that was a, a wild time. You know, oh, my to, God. To think about something like that happening today, virtually oh. impossible. Well, I, so, the, the funniest thing is Bobby, when he became attorney general, he flew to Chicago and met with all the FBI agents. And he wanted illegal wiretaps put in all the wards and all of that, 
and most of the conversations, they caught his father on the phones talking to everybody. Joe well, Kennedy. Can't use that tape. Well, that's what I'm saying. So Jay Hoover, they put pressure on Jay Hoover because he was still the boss of the FBI, that he wanted to summon summons all those tapes. Anything that had Joe Kennedy on, because then the mob thought they could use that against Joe. This whole thing was blowing up. It was a house of cards in a windstorm. Yeah. And they had the evidence, but Bobby was just going crazy. And I, you know, I'm sure that the press was aware of what was going on, but back then, uh, presidents were untouchable. You didn't, I mean, they, they, they knew all the rumors to of be course. fact, but they never touched them. You know how many people didn't know that FDR was, uh, was crippled? Quite a few of his uh, of the voters did not know that he was crippled and couldn't walk. Because it made him look weak. Yeah. So yeah. he was always filmed from the chest up. And if he was at a lectern or a podium, they set him up. Right. And then they were allowed to shoot film. I always felt, I felt yeah. sorry for him because he had polio. Yeah. Well, you felt so sorry yeah. for him that, yeah. that you also got it in his honor. <laughs> no. yeah, right. Great. Good, great move there. <laughs> no, no, no. Believe me, I didn't yeah, but do he, that. He, uh, he apparently never got over it. Uh, no. You, know, you, were, you were very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, right. So many people didn't get over it, unfortunately. Yeah, I know, but that's a uh, presidents were uh, were hands off, were sacrosanct. You couldn't go near them, and uh, that's obviously not true today. I mean, no. if they if, if if they sneeze, it's in the press, you know. And, and, and they make then. fun of them. They have no respect anymore. I can't believe it. It's you know? crazy. It's uh, you know that. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know how they got away with this. But the funniest thing I found out doing the history, I didn't realize the amount of years after he kills. Momo Giancana for not being able to control Spalatro. Spalatro went on another six years doing what he wanted to do. He didn't get Why? I don't know how he got away with it. They couldn't control him. Well, he must have been doing something right. I mean, he was doing a oh, lot Oh, he was sending the he money back. Something right. Oh, he was, I mean, he, I mean, he wasn't in force and got the monies controlled and all that. But Okay, so he was an artist. A bigger earner, mon well, monster earner, but uh, I mean, to, but again, it was Ricardo who summons Michael. I mean, Tony to come, and he brought his brother along as an insurance policy. And that yeah, and they were acting both. Yeah, and Ricardo, uh, uh, in the research I was doing, uh, he had a reputation for being extremely smart. Oh my and in God, fact, yeah. is uh, the guy he shared power with this guy Rika. Right. Uh, was quoted as saying, and I'm looking right at it, uh, Ocardo, has, Ocardo had more brains for breakfast than Capone had in a lifetime. Yeah. No, I'm so, telling so he's you. a smart guy. You, oh, you no, I'm a great businessman. I mean, well, he what? owned everything. I mean, a guy... Oh, my God, forget about what he owned. Uh, I made a list. I'll find it. Okay, this is what he owned. Uh, this, is a, this is legal stuff. Uh, right. Commercial office building, retail centers, lumber farms paper factories, hotels, car dealerships, trucking companies, newspaper companies, restaurants, and travel agencies. Yeah, well, travel agencies. Plural. Nitty, hotels, nitty plural. travel. Why did this guy even have to be mixed up and, and well, risk going? <laughs> well, no, what happened was, what he did, that's what I really liked about They They would have a business meeting. It was, they called the meeting to order. They actually took minutes. That for the first, illegitimate stuff. The first, for everything. The okay. first time I sat down with them was that Thursday night, the first Thursday in June, and 
they had called an order. They introduced me. Most people I already met that afternoon, so they knew why I was there, and that's what that was about. But I mean, what they they operated like a, a Fortune 500 company, and the, the the wealth they had, as you pointed out, and they just kept going. Where the New York families, the five families in New York, I mean, there was like at that time. The gang that couldn't shoot straight. With Bonanno wanted to do drugs, but Pofacci crossed over. They were going to kill, assassinate, assassinate Vito. I mean, um, Carlo Gambino. And if if Colombo didn't rat him out, Pofacci and Bonanno, there would have been the end of it. These people had poor management skills. Yeah, but I mean, uh, you 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 refer to. Uh, a house in River Forest? Yeah, 157 okay, well, Franklin. Apparently he bought that house because uh, he started receiving attention from the IRS and right. he sold another house somewhere to buy this house on uh, North Ashland Avenue. That's the one you're speaking of, right? No, no, no. I'm talking about the mansion. Oh, the first? Okay. The big so house. That was, he, oh, he, he bought the other smaller house and that, that was robbed. The house I'm talking about was 915 Franklin Avenue. Okay, that was the, that was the That's first. That's in River okay. Forest. Yeah, right. Okay, that was the one that had uh, bowling alleys, indoor pools, that one. Oh, that one, yeah, that's it. Okay, but he apparently he bought the other house to keep a low profile. For low profile, yeah. Yeah, but he didn't and live that, in it. No. Did he? He never lived in it, no. <laughs> <laughs> he bought the house, but he didn't live in it. All right. No, and you know what he did, too? He, he used to drive Oldsmobiles and Buicks. So he'd buy two of everyone and keep yeah. two, one in each house in front. So they know when he was home or not. But the, the little house, he had a tunnel going to the block on the other side where they'd pick him up. His driver would pick him up every day. So they oh thought he was gosh. home all this time. Yeah. This guy spends a lot of time at home. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a homebody. But I mean, I, I mean, I wish, I've dug up some photographs that, I mean, I mean, I can't believe I have pictures which, uh, Megan, I'm going to take these and I want to put them up as the teaser for this one, this show. Absolutely, yeah. I have pictures at the Trivia Fountain in Rome with Nick Nitty, Ocaro. The Trivia Fountain? His, yeah. Oh, that's great. I have a picture of the four of them in white dinner jackets at one of my weddings at the Benalil's Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's going to be in book number two. Yeah, and then I have. Did we a, talk I, about how you guys met? Did we get to that? Well, that's how I met. We they sent me there that day, right, and I right, went right. to the dinner, and then went to you know, the, the house, and uh, mm -hmm. they sat down, and, and I mean, when when they called, I mean, he cooked too. He loved to cook. Yeah, that was my next question. You know, well, we we have in in our book, and we, we discussed it, and I found it fascinating. That even when you or anybody else was going at us to talk about business, first he cooked. Yeah, he cooked. You, you ate, didn't talk business, and then you talk business. Right, and what See? that night I remember well. We because he's a, a true Sicilian, you know, his father and mother are Sicilian immigrants, and so we he the majority, other than the Jewish guys, used to get upset when they used to make gabuzel and read the sheep's heads and they're, they're fighting over who gets the eye and who gets the jawbone <laughs> with the sweet of meat. The, most of the Jewish guys would get up and throw up in the bathroom what they just ate. <laughs> well, more eyeballs for us. Yeah, hello. But I mean, in fact, I remember one time at the Stardust Hotel, which he owned, 
and he, he gave all the money to, to uh, Doffman to, to front it for him. They, they come in with the plane. They had junkets. Every, they had three or four planes on Sunday night come in from Chicago and pick up the people they dropped off Sunday night on Thursday. And this was going on. So they're bringing all these great delicacies from, uh, from uh, um, Melrose Park, Yamos. So one day, this is a funny story. Uh, funny that you bring that up. They're there, and Tony's in, 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 uh, in, in Vegas. So he has a head, I mean, a, a, a case of gabuzels, maybe 16 skulls. They're lamb heads. It's a delicacy. So he loved the way I cooked. So he said, Johnny, go, go in the kitchen, and I got the gabuzels. You prepare them because you had to marinate them. So after lunch, I go in there, and I go into the kitchen, and I got a big bandsaw, and I'm in a three-piece suit in the butcher end, and I'm taking these skulls out of the, out of the bush, a bushel, you know, the wooden crates, the, the, uh, the rectangular ones. Right, so this is this is uh, cooked on the skull. Yeah, it's cooked. The whole skull goes in the oven. You oh. marinate with breadcrumbs and garlic, marinate so it for three or four hours, and then you break, bake it. So okay. now, picture this. I'm in the kitchen with a kitchen helper cutting these heads in half. A black guy comes in. <laughs> he sees me. He thinks I'm cutting a human's head. He turns around and runs, but he hits the partition of the in and out door. <laughs> so he's laying on the ground. And he thought we were going to grab him and cut his head up to our <laughs> That's crazy can't stuff things. up, man. I oh can't goodness. make this up. It's crazy. See, I'm just That's waiting insane. for I'm waiting for one of you two to ask me if I ever ate a goat's head. Go ahead, ask me. You never did. Ask me if I ever ate one. Go ahead. No, no I know you didn't. But you you got to ask me the question. Okay. Did, did you, you ever, ever eat, eat a goat's, goat's head? head? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I I was waiting for that, but you was very slow on the update. Come on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know. We All right. almost no. didn't let you have that moment. That's oh, funny. <laughs> but yeah. oh, no, good. but but yeah, no, I've I've never had one. I've never had it. No, but I can't I, say I I, it's very well. It's it's really a delicacy. That right. the rabbits, the sheep, you know, they and sparrows. He makes. He used to have a trap in his backyard. Tony Accardo used to trap sparrows. And now, this is this is interesting. And then, and then singe the, their body. You had a, a a prong, singe the feathers off, and then cook yeah. them on the grill. And wow. eat them. Sparrow parmesan. I love it, man. Yeah, but the bones. I never liked them because the bones were so small. They're, so they're small. Like, well, they're like frogs, I guess, as far as. Yeah, frogs. Yeah. frogs. yeah. Did but, you ever have uh, frog's legs, Megan? No. No? They're, they're, they're good. I think I've eaten just everything, like, though, just, just like because you're eating the Where would you have eaten those? Uh, at French restaurants. Oh, French restaurants are delicacy. Uh, they yeah. okay. got, oh, got yeah. frog's legs. Yeah. And if you wouldn't know you were eating frog's legs, you would think they were chicken it's chicken, legs, exactly. The they look, yeah. They're sweet, Interesting. Too. So now, picture this. Here I am, 17 years of age. I've been just running envelopes and collecting money all over New York. And that's, as we wrote in the book, they were going to expand my route. Yeah. So, and this was the first meeting. So now they clear the table with all the carolis and the sfugliadels, and they change all the, everything, and now they're going to have a meeting. Those meetings, I mean, that meeting that night, they, they got a call from the White House, and it wasn't the Kennedys. It was just before who was in office? Uh, who was Eisenhower. Nixon? Nixon, Eisenhower. Eisenhower was before Kennedy, yeah. 
He was just before. Okay. Right. All right. So anyway, they get a call from the White House asking the outfit, which was that's their organization in right. Chicago, if they would help assassinate Fidel Castro. Oh my goodness. This was why not? And they that's this is no, but this was the agenda. We got a call from the White House. The president wants to know if we'll help. And they they they, they said, well, you know. We don't trust him, this, that, and the other. That was no, one thing. You're talking on the phone about this stuff. No, 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 they got a call. Yeah. However, they got it. the message to him. Yeah. They didn't call his house. And Carter don't answer the phone. <laughs> they sent the message. Yeah. And, and that was the agenda that night. They turned that down. Then they had to make a decision on two other guys they wanted to get whacked. They said, go do it. Do those two. And then I'm sitting there for the reason I'm there is that Joe Kennedy called and wants us to help get his son Jack, Senator Jack, into the White House. And that was the real agenda. And everybody was there to say yes, because that's when he made the offer that if he got in, they would invade Cuba and get, get all back. the casinos back. Mm-hmm. But well, I mean, At the time, if you were to tell anybody that, they'd say that this is outlandish, but history has proven you correct. I mean, there's been so much written on uh, uh, the mob and involved with the feds. And, you know, we, we, we uh, talked about, well, not only him, other people. They relied on the mob probably up until the uh, the 70s. They wanted any good oh, no. done. Well, I mean, tr- they had true. Chicago owned Truman. They yeah. did the same thing with, with uh, for Nixon to get Hoffer out. The Teamsters got him out so they didn't kill him. Amazing. Because he found God. And you know that the teams the, but I, I remember they they gave us the quotes. They were like reading the minutes. They, they had seventy two million dollars, nineteen sixty, already invested in Las Vegas in nineteen sixty. That's a lot of money. Wow. Twenty years later, they had over five hundred million in mortgages for every casino, and most of that went to Steve Wynn. They, yeah, they, and a lot of that mortgage money came from the Teamsters. All of it. Most of it came all, from the Teamsters. All of it. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, this is what they were talking about at dinner. It was crazy. And then something I found out, the lawyer that I met, I didn't know who, who he was. You know, it was, it was, it was, there was all kinds of people sitting there. But this one lawyer, he created what is called the Marriott Hotel chain. It was all financed by the syndicate money. Today, right, yet. The Marriott family, the Priskers, their, their father was the lawyer. They created a foundation. They put all the money in. Did you did you find out of that, Pat? No, I didn't see that. You know what I found out about Ocardo, though? A lot of his heirs, quite a few of them, p- played professional football. Oh, I didn't know really? that. Really? Oh, a lot of them. Uh, well, we, we go down the list. The NFL, his son-in-law, Palmer Piles, grandson, Eric Kulup. Tomorrow, played linebacker for the Miami Dolphins. Eric's son, Jake, currently is a wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. And Eric's sister, Cheryl, married John Bossa, who played defensive end for the Dolphins. And this goes on and on. I only read your head. Oh, that's a, that's a lot. Yeah, it's, like it's in their blood. Yeah, no, there's more. They had two sons, Joey and uh, Nick, who both play as defensive ends for the L.A. Chargers and the San Francisco 49ers, respectively. I mean, wow. come on, man. It's a, they, wow. they went to football. 
That is a lot of investors Isn't something, in though? one family. Like the, That's crazy. They all went into the same uh, business, sport. And, and, and I, I know the NFL just because of my brother-in-law. You, you don't get say, put my kid on the team. <laughs> These right. guys, they yeah. really had to be athletes. They had to really yeah, you, be athletes. Think I don't know what you're doing. But I, but I mean, you, I couldn't. Uh, believe, what? So when when he passed away, this was no shock. I mean, he was eighty six. No, he's aging. I I saw him a lot. That's when he moved. He moved to Palm Springs, permanently, yeah. and he was aging and you know had a, a great life. But yeah, he lived a pretty full life. Yeah, the history indicates that he uh, would go to Chicago every now and then, as an elder statesman type of person. Right, right, right. right. Well, he had so, to go in. He had a monthly he, meeting. He had to attend, and he insisted well, on going. Did you go to his, his, uh, his funeral? No, 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 no. Did anybody go to his funeral? I mean, <laughs> of, 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 of import, you know, they don't want their pictures no. taken. I understand they, it, but out of respect. No, out of much. respect, they 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 took care of Clarissa and everything else. Out of respect, yeah. and you know, he 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 created one union that his son Tony ran was the projection. All the projectionists in every oh, yeah. movie theater. That was his union. I tell you, very, very tight union to get into. No It's a very prestigious union. It still is. Oh, it is. Even though there aren't any projectionists anymore. No, I know. They still have the union. Yeah. No, but that, that was all of them. Man. Mickey Cohen, all those guys. I mean, yeah. the, the thing that amazed me, I, I met Lou Wasserman, who owned MCA, the Music Corporation of America, that became Universal Pictures. And that's when they had the big party for the Pope. It was at Universal. And I'm there, and I've seen Lou Wasserman a hundred times. When you see me traveling with the Pope and I'm on the dais, he said, how did you get in this? And then I said to him, how did I get into this? I said, how did you get into what you did? Yeah. He said, you're kidding me. I said, no, we deal with the Vatican Bank on a regular basis. And then he put two and two together. But I mean, it, this is how yeah, strong. You know that that, that the sh funny you should uh, refer to the Vatican Bank uh, thing. As as many compliments as I get on our book, the portion of the book that they talk about the most is the Vatican Bank uh, sequence. I think we, we go on for two chapters with that. I think. Yeah. That, yeah, that fascinating. It's fascinating stuff. I mean, the power, the reach, that they had. Oh my God. Is. Yeah. Uh, Part of history. I mean, they're not 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 that they're weak now, but they're. I, I don't think they'll ever come back to the way they were. I mean, it'd be virtually impossible now, right? Yeah, I mean, it's as far as strength and prestige. Well, that not only that, but with electronics. I mean, they, as you know, the one pope before John Paul didn't want to go along with it, so they assassinated him. I don't know if that could happen anymore. No, and, and that's just, why I laughed even when when you and I reviewed some of the Irishman stuff. He said he did that too. <laughs> he he yeah, was in the hallway. He was, he was a world traveler for that guy. His name was Frank Sheeran. Yeah. yeah. How are we doing with yeah, time? He, he, he basically killed everybody. Megan, how are we doing with time? Uh, we can move on to the mailbag whenever you guys are ready. I just didn't want to make sure you had everything you wanted to say. Well, I mean, we could go on for hours. <laughs> and uh, and because uh, yeah, we should go to the mailbag because let's do that. And, All know, right, and then, let's do it. And then when we hear the noise. We'll just attribute it yeah, we'll and, just, and we'll give them yeah. a, a minute of silence or tell you them want to tell going. our audience what that noise is? Yeah, when, if it happens, if yeah. they can hear it. Okay. So uh, how much time do we have on the mailbag? Not much. because We have about 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's But I, I, I mean, 
I just want to close with my mentor, Mr. Ocado. This man made me a millionaire, and God bless him. And I, I never wanted to deal with New York anymore. I was only the syndicate and the outfit. Speak. That's why my, everybody said, where'd you go? After the Kennedy assassination, I never went back. Well, when you only have one family, there's nobody to go to, go to war with, which helps. Hello. Yeah. All right, well, thank you, Mr. Ocado. Yes. <laughs> Rest, all right, buddy. Yes. All right. Let's go to all the right. mailbag. All right, let's do it. So first message we have is from Nathan. Nathan says, I recently discovered your podcast and I've almost binged the first season over the past two days. The stories and history are fantastic. Listening to the episodes with a glass of red wine and pasta in front of the fireplace makes for a great atmosphere. Thank when you for When are you going to invite podcast. us? What's his name? <laughs> this is Nathan from Melbourne, Australia. Whoa. Whoa. Wow. That's, that's great. That's why he hasn't invited us. <laughs> well, that's fabulous. God bless. Thank you so much. All right. Next one is from Paige. She says, I have to tell you, I'm a huge fan. I got the book soon after it came out on audio. Gianni, you reading it was icing on the cake. I'll tell you, Patrick did a phenomenal job covering Gianni's life. What a great writer. Okay. What a genius idea to have Megan at the controls. Megan, you bring a wonderful take to the podcast. So poised and a class act. My question is, Gianni, do you have an opinion on why Frank Sinatra's tombstone is so small for such a giant of a personality? I would have to say it was his last wife, Barbara, who didn't want to spend the money for the mausoleum. She needed more fur coats and jewelry. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know that, that he had just a little tombstone. He has I, a, I a flat stone. In the house. He, he just has a, a one plaque. of those slates that sits in the In the grass. grass. That's it. That's it. That's it. For wow. Frank Sinatra. We're going to have to do How something about that. that. Yeah, hello. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Anyway. Yeah. But Paige, thank you very much for your kind words. That was yeah, very sweet. that was great. Very nice. All right, next one is from Michael. Gianni, how often do you visit Francis Ford Coppola's wineries? Do you ever hang out together trying all the great California wines? <laughs> I went there once for an event. Did you? Yeah. He invited us. We all went up. And uh, you know, I like his wife. And, and the kids and all that. And we went up there, and, and on the second floor in the winery, they had the Godfather's desk and a lot of memorabilia and all that. Mm. But um, And he's got to thank his wife for that, because while that was all going on, all the glory of Godfather 1 and 2, him and George Lucas created a studio in San Francisco called Solotrop Pictures. And I think they had more cocaine in there than Columbia. <laughs> Oh, my God. They were, Party time. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Those were the days. <laughs> yeah. The 70s and 80s. Hello. Because I wouldn't know anything about that. That's a rumor, I heard. Yeah, me too. Mm. All right. Next one is from Juliana. Gianni and Pat, I'm so curious about your take on this. There's a new reality show called Families of the Mafia that focuses largely on Sammy the Bull Gravano and his return home from prison. The basic plot is whether various mob families want to either cut ties with or embrace the mob. What do you think about Sammy the Bull and other mob families going on reality TV? No comment. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can speak to that because I haven't seen the show. You, you haven't seen it, Johnny, I'm sure. No, I would never but, watch uh, it. But I did see the, uh, the interview for the show. Oh, we're and there's an Irish David. family in there, the O'Toole's. They have put the Irish in there, I guess, oh, wow. uh, broaden their viewer base. So it's all about trying to get their kids not to embrace the life. 
Well, and, Sammy the Bull. Well, the, this, this Irish family, they're they're involved with whatever Irish gangsters do. But they have they have uh, teenage boys, and they're trying to steer them away uh, from the life. But I I understand that Sammy the Bull appears in the first episode. But that's just what I heard. Well, the good news about that is he's trying to get. I mean, he's trying to get a life after the life, and uh, if anybody knows Sammy. When he got when he was on the witness protection program, they shipped him to as an alias to Arizona, and the the federal government during the witness protection program put him in the biggest ecstasy ring. Subconsciously, they financed it, so his wife, daughter, and son all went to jail for that in the well, state. Like his, well, his he he took the heat. Uh, that, that's why he he didn't go to trial. He he took the twenty years or whatever he got to save his family. Right now, his 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 daughter, uh, who was in Mob Wives, is also in this show. Right, of uh, and I tell you, uh, I saw episodes of Mob Mob uh, Wives. She's got a head on her shoulders. She's smart. She she can speak well. She's eloquent. I mean, she's got a temper on her and uh, and, uh, and a few other things. But uh, she's she's bright. She's not she's not a stupid person at all. But. Uh, Sammy had one of the most successful restaurants in whatever city he was in, in Arizona. I mean, he was doing well, legitimately. I know. But, of course, it's you know, hard to keep these guys away sometimes from the illegitimate side of life. Well, you know, owning a restaurant and trying to take out $1,000 a day after 14 hours, <laughs> he knew he knew yeah, other ways to make that kind of money. Better yeah, money. there was easier ways to do that. <laughs> hmm. That would be the last thing I'd open as a restaurant to earn money. <laughs> yeah, you actually have to work. No kidding. It's a tough yeah, it's job. Yeah, a lot of work. My father on board. Anyway, next. All right. Next one is from Karen. Karen says, Gianni, I recently listened to a podcast that featured Ori Spado. It's O-R-I, last name S-P-A-D-O, who referred to himself as the Hollywood Godfather. Have you ever met him and how trustworthy is he? I know nothing about the guy. You know, there, uh, when our, our book was coming out, I don't know if you're aware of this, Johnny, there was another book coming out at the same time. Really? With the same name. There's two Hollywood Godfather books out there. Well, I knew there oh. was one out there way before us, an older Well, it book. wasn't way before. Oh. It was a, a couple of months before, maybe a year, but no more than that. But that Hollywood Godfather was about a, a mover and shaker, and uh, it was a lawyer or an agent or something. But we ha we have the same uh, same title. Ours is subtitled differently, obviously. Yeah. Right. But uh, I don't know if any, anybody's aware of this, but you cannot copyright a book title. You know, we could have called ours uh, Gone with the Wind, which crossed my mind. But, uh, <laughs> uh, no, you, you can call it anything you want. You cannot copyright a title. Why not? Like, you just can't do it. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. Uh, there's got to be a reason behind it. I don't know what that reason is. But right. that's why, you know, I was uh, when I was talking to our uh, editor at St. Martin's Press, I said, well, there is a Hollywood Godfather. That book's going nowhere. <laughs> I think he was right. And I, put it this way. Yeah, I mean, this is the first, this look, the first time you're hearing of it. So I mean, you know. No, but look, I right. remember hearing of it. But then I, I any time anybody goes on in front of me, they go on right away. And yeah. Oz is the first book that comes up on Amazon. I know the, the other so, one didn't do well, and the same Oz Press was right. You know, this this, this is going to make the splash. The other thing is not going anywhere. Right. But uh, just for people who are wonder why, if they if they know about it, you cannot copyright a title. No. Hmm. And this Ori Spado guy, you guys have never never heard of, heard of him. No. All right. I think we've gotten questions about him before. Maybe he invented the bathing suit. Or was that Speedo? <laughs> yeah, a Speedo. Yeah. Okay, I get, I get confused. I'm getting old. <laughs> okay. 
All right, next one is from Joshua. Joshua says, how come the mob didn't do so well out west? Because of, hello, we just did a show the week, this, the week before, um, Ocado, the outfit and the syndicate controls <laughs> California. They'll never go out there. They'll, they wouldn't last a minute. And a lot of guys have tried. Joe Denty went out there from New York. A lot of guys tried. They were run out of town. You can't, you can't shake them up. The, the, the well, Jews, that thing. Well, not only that, the Jews run that town, man. Yeah, it's true. It's just a Jewish enclave. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Last one is from Tommy. Tommy says, Gianni, did you have any relationship with Jay Sarno? I love Jay Sarno. Are you kidding? Jay Sarno was one of the big investors in Caesar's Palace. And then he went on to open Circus Circus. And I actually dated his girlfriend. I mean, his no, daughter. You dated, you dated everybody. No, his daughter. Really oh, nice his girl. Daughter. Yeah, okay. His daughter. Okay. Jay was a, I mean, he was a circus himself. I yeah. mean, he was so, that's, and Jay named the showroom in Caesar's Palace as Circus Maximus, which was mm. the arena in, in the Coliseum. And then he built, with Teamsters' money, <laughs> next to the Stardust Hotel, put two and two together, Circus Circus, which was the only Casino that have live circus acts as you gambled over your nights. Yeah, trapeze artists. Everything. Oh my gosh, that's that was crazy. crazy. I, I, I've been, is that still around? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, is Mr. Sarno still around? No, he's died. He died a while ago. Okay. These guys are all old, older guys. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for tonight. A bidip, bidip, bidip. Okay. <laughs> that was a good show. Now Thank I love it. Much. Thank you. And. We'll see you next week. Don't forget, have good... please have your friends listen, subscribe. I can't believe we did 72 shows. That's amazing. Okay, this is something else that we need that we never talk about. What's reviews. That? Yes, reviews. Re review us on iTunes. We, oh, we yeah. Five -star oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Don't, don't forget, we know where you live. So we All need right. those five-star reviews. Yeah, we need those five-star <laughs> reviews. Five-star reviews. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get a visit. <laughs> You'll find a horse's head in your bed. Yeah. Anyway, oh, gosh. <laughs> all right, God bless night, you buddy. all. Thank you. All right. Good night, guys. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid. You can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit Amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.